Welcome to the Thomas Guide. Coming up, we've got more polls. I'm going to tell you if we should really be worried about that Gallup tracking poll that shows Donald Trump in the dumps. Uh, more Russia scandals. Should the House Intelligence Director resign? And is Hillary Clinton back? All that and more coming up on the Thomas Guide. This is The Thomas Guide, your roadmap for navigating the world with your guide, John Thomas, political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions, just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Ah, another week in Trump world. <laughs> if there were only things to talk about. Um, thanks for joining us this week. Gosh, I think this is our our 18th episode. I can't believe it. Thank you so much for those who are just joining us for this first episode. Uh, welcome to the Thomas Guide. This is your inside guide to politics. Um, for those of you who have been with us since episode one, thank you very much for staying with us. I hope you enjoy uh, what you're hearing. And of course... We want to hear from you, so you can tweet me at the Thomas Guide. You can go on our Facebook Live Thomas Guide account. Um, go on theteaguide.com and send us an email. We want to hear your feedback, and of course, if it's pithy enough, we'll read it on the air. Uh, welcome to the crew, Engineer Roy G. Welcome, hey, hey, hey. Producer Jenny Lee. Welcome. Hello. Good to see you guys. Let's get right into it, uh, Jenny Lee. What do we have in the news? Right. So a Republican congressman from California, Devin Nunez, who is overseeing the House investigation into Russia's interference with the U.S. presidential election, met with a source who is not White House staffers at the White House. And when asked, um, Press Secretary Sean Spicer told reporters that he doesn't know who gave Devin Nunez this authorization to meet with an intelligence source. This seems like really no big deal for a couple reasons. First, I don't care if he's meeting at the White House or the Pentagon or wherever. Uh, it's his prerogative as House Intelligence uh, Chairman to meet with sources. In fact, you know the White House is known to have secure rooms uh, where they can meet and not be surveilled. These are the same mistakes that Hillary Clinton made multiple times when she was traveling abroad uh, and her her, her her cell phones were hacked and others because she wasn't in a secure environment. So what do we care if he met with somebody at the White House that was a source? I just don't see a big deal. And why would we think that Sean Spicer or the White House would be privy to that source? People don't understand that the White House... There, there are several office buildings associated with the White House. So he went into one of the office buildings and met with somebody. I just don't see the big deal. This is just one of those things where, you know, Democrats want to be outraged. They want to think there's a there there. I don't see the big deal. I think it's going to blow over. The heat is still on Devin Nunes um, this week, and there are growing calls for him to step aside from this Russian probe from House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. Shocking. And also um, the committee's top Democrat, Adam Schiff. And this is um, 
important and very significant because they, Schieff and Nunez had worked closely on the House investigation into ties between top aides with Prussian, uh, President Donald Trump and Russian officials. So it comes after also the recusal of Jeff, Jeff Sessions. Right. So. so Sessions recused himself. Okay. But, I mean, the, the, the problem is, um, I think the bigger story we saw this week relating to that was that Nunes wanted to hold these hearings behind closed doors in closed session. Democrats uh, like Schumer and others and Pelosi wanted it to be transparent in public. But here's the issue. Uh, FBI Director Comey, when he went in front of the publicly in front of the Intelligence Committee a week or so ago, almost 100 times during that uh, interview, he said that he could not answer the question because it was sensitive or classified information. Now, if they were in closed session, he could answer those questions. So I just don't see the big deal here. Nunes wants to hold a, cl a closed session if the Democrats actually cared about finding the truth and the facts, they too would want a closed session. But they don't want closed session because, number one, they don't want the facts because they know there's no there there. And secondly, they can't grandstand for people in closed session. And that's what this is about. I don't expect the Democrats to let go of this because, quite frankly, it's all they've got. It's a bunch of smoke and they're not going to let go. So uh, we'll just see if Nunes can hold on. I think he can. And when you're seeing members of the mainstream media say, but Republicans are turning on Nunes, which Republicans? Lindsey Graham, John McCain, who both hate Trump's guts. That's not Republicans. That When mainstream Republicans start turning on Nunes, then he's got a problem. At this point, I just don't see it. Press Secretary Sean Spicer um, had a very contentious press meeting when he... Um, responded to reporter April Ryan. She asked the question, how does the White House intend to revamp their image following all of the issues surrounding this Russia cloud that they've got? Um, his rebuttal immediately was to say, if the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. So that's the big story yeah. of the week. This Russian salad dressing. If the president puts dressing. Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. It's, it's just like people have said before, if the president accomplished something like literally was able to walk on water and he walked across a lake, the report would not be that he walked on water. The reporters would be like, so you're saying the president doesn't know how to swim? Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, they just, he can't catch a break. They're always looking for a there there where it's not necessarily the case. Um, I, I just don't see. Hey, did we have a clip for the last topic that we didn't roll on? I'm just trying to think. On oh, Russia? We, we actually didn't for that one. Oh, we didn't. No. We're not able to pull it? No, we weren't on that one. Well, everyone's fired. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. All right. Well, I did have a clip. I was on CNN last night. We were going to roll a clip. <laughs> Uh, related to the issue, but uh, no clip. All right. Um, we do have a clip, um, though, of yeah. Hillary Clinton. She's out of the woods, mm. and she responded to Sean Spicer's um, huge issue with April Ryan, and this is what she had to say. Just look at all that's happened in the last few days to women who were simply doing their jobs. April Ryan, a respected journalist with unrivaled integrity 
was doing her job just this afternoon in the White House press room when she was patronized and cut off trying to ask a question. One of your own California Congresswomen, Maxine Waters, was taunted with a racist joke about her hair. Now, too many women, especially women of color, have had a lifetime of practice taking precisely these kinds of indignities in stride. But why should we have to? And any woman who thinks this couldn't be directed at her is living in a dream world. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin with this one. <laughs> First of all, April Ryan sounds like she's a, uh, a reporter, the reporter out of Superman. What was the reporter's name? Was it uh, something O'Neill? April, was it April O'Neill? Yeah, April yeah, O'Neill. <laughs> That's what no, I think. That, that might be, uh, who is the Ninja Turtles reporter? <laughs> Something Ryan, wasn't it? I don't know. There was a, there was yeah. a girl in Ninja Turtles, whatever. But. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we digress. Uh, but I, I think the point, the point here is Hillary Clinton is trying to make, make this somehow into a, that Trump and Spicer are bullying women and singling out women. Actually, Hillary, if you've watched any of those press briefings, have you not seen Jim Acosta or the, you know, the fake news accusations? I don't think they're easy on anybody. So, but of course, standard Democrat. I, I, I was on CNN last night. This came up and this is what I had to say. I just, sorry, John, I, oh, is there a difference here? Spicer is the spokesperson for the White House. He's not Donald Trump's spokesperson, right? No, uh, well, uh, that's true, but he is Donald Trump is the commander in chief, so he is a spokesman for for Trump. But look, how shocking is this? Another Democrat that calls a, a Republican uh, administration <laughs> a racist or a sexist or a bigot. The most shocking thing in that clip was that she's not wearing a pantsuit. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. And there was that woman again. I, I vaguely remember her. She looks familiar. I've seen her around. Okay, uh, Dave and John, thanks so much. Well, she wasn't. In fact, I think uh, Hillary's been hacked again. This time her wardrobe has been hacked. Somebody's making her really class it up. What do you think, Jenny Lee? She was mixing up the look a little bit. Yeah, late. she was. <laughs> with the with leather, the leather Didn't jacket. Work. I don't know, really. Yeah, her Sick. stylist needs yeah, to get fired. Yeah, I, I think she's got a... <laughs> the thing is, she's just not... You got to be a little sassy to pull that off, you know? She's not. She lectures. I think it's pantsuits or busts for that, for that lady, but... Uh, Go away, Hillary. <laughs> Democrats are tired of you. Republicans never liked you. Go away. And <laughs> reaching, this is just, oh, poor April O'Neil. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. What do we got next? To the polls. Yeah. So there's some interesting polling news this week, um, amongst which Democrats are burned by a polling blind spot. And this has to do with um, the party's stunning losses in November. Democrats are coming to a troubling conclusion that the party didn't just lose among rural white voters on election day, but it may have actually failed to capture these voters altogether in pre-election polling as well. That's a really interesting thesis. Um, so there are, yeah, there are two arguments there. One is uh, that the Trump voters, the Trump low-educated white voters uh, simply didn't pick up the phone. Um, 
that may have been the case at the margins. Uh, I don't think that's the case um, by and large. Uh, the the other was, um, well, we're hearing also that these polls and their turnout models are over-relying upon educated voters. They're oversampling educated voters. That may be more the, the situation. Something you have to keep in mind about political polling uh, political polling is different uh, than commercial polling uh, or even public opinion polling in general. And here's why. You've got two sides typically, uh, you know, your candidate and your opponent or two candidates in the race if you're a third party polling. And those two interests have a vested interest in changing the polling where we are today. So a poll is just a snapshot in time. It's they're, they, you can use them as a predictive tool, but truthfully they are a snapshot of where the electorate is if the election were held today. And if you're polling a year out, six months out, world events can change, but more importantly, the other candidate is going to advertise to change the state of affairs from where we are today, just like we're going to do the same. So it's it's hard unless you're constantly polling to make dead nuts accurate predictions of where the electorate's going to end up on election day. Um, the best circumstance what you do if you're fully funded in a, in a good campaign is you poll early and often. Uh, so you take a you know you take a peek under the hood maybe a year or more out to decide how hard of a race this is. Uh, and then you don't need to poll really until you start communicating in, in on TV or in mail um, until maybe the last few months. And then the good poll, the good campaigns, we poll once or twice a week at that point. Not so we're just watching more of where the buoy is going and what direction the electorate is flowing. We really don't uh, care as much what the end of the day percentage is as long as the trend lines are moving in our direction. So um, polling's hard. It's very hard. It's very complicated. Um, and I can see how in some of these rural states where they don't have reliable voter files to use in their polling samples that they can make mistakes. We're going to have on a top Republican political pollster, Justin Wallen. We're going to try to get him next week. Um, and he's going to share with us his perspective on the industry. I know it's given a lot of you out there skepticism as to the reliability of the polls, and rightfully so. Um, if you haven't been able to look into the cross tabs and know what goes into these polls, it's hard to rely upon any one poll 100%. So you have to look at averages. Real Clear Politics doesn't average of polls. And again, it's, it's not definitively to say that Trump's approval ratings is this percent. It's really more to look at trend lines. And, uh, and of course, um, Gallup, you want to talk about the Gallup poll? Yeah, Trump's approval rating slipped to a new low on Monday in the Gallup daily tracking poll. This is the first measure of Trump's jobs, job performance mm -hmm. following his administration's failure to move his new health care law through the Congress. And I think we have your clip with um, Larry King. I was so. on with Larry King and we talked about this exact issue. We can only roll the audio today. So uh, let's go ahead and roll that clip. Now joining me in studio is John Thomas, Republican political strategist, founder and president of Thomas Partner Strategies, media strategy and crisis communications firm. He's also host of The Thomas Guide and a pleasure to welcome you too. Good to be here. 
Gallup poll, President Trump's daily approval rate is 37%. That's the lowest ever. Why? <laughs> well, generally the Gallup tracker poll is not a measurement of a likely voter model. It's looking at general population opinion in the United States. About a thousand people is what they survey. So it's not really reflective of an election cycle. It's more reflective of just public opinion. And let's be honest, look, I'm a Republican, I support the president, but he hasn't had exactly the best last few weeks of in terms of news coverage. So if he can get out of this slump, it'll turn around. I'll draw your attention to uh, Rasmussen polls. Now, yes, they lean to the right, but they use likely voter models in terms of looking at the midterm elections. And in their models, they've got Trump at 50% approvals. The key here is he can't lose his base. Dem approvals are historic lows. There's not much he's ever gonna do with that. It's that four or 5% of undecideds that he really needs to be worried about. So there you have it. Uh, you wanna look at likely voter models. You wanna look at polling averages. I could talk all day about this stuff because there really is so much to know uh, about polling, but, the, but to look at the, the high level stuff, um, that's kind of how you look at it. The other thing, you know, we, you have to be careful of is to not lock onto one number and make that the end all be number, end all be all number. It's just like when looking at the stock market, you know, you can have 50 different ways to measure a stock. You can't just look at, um, you know, the, you can't look at one number in a vacuum and say, that's a good stock. You may have to look at three, four, five, six, seven different numbers. And then you can say, all right, I think that's a, a good value. It's the same thing with political polls. All right. Should we go into our next segment? We wanted to give our viewers here mm. a really spectacular image. And this was taken from an airline passenger on a charter flight from New Zealand to the Antarctic Circle. And all the passengers had a thrill because um, they flew into the heart of the Southern Lights. That's pretty and cool. And John, you should see our image here. It looks like you're sitting on the wing of the aircraft. Oh, oh, uh, have, you, have you guys seen the Northern Lights? I have actually. You have? Yes, I was in Iceland. I recommend everybody to what, go. What was, time of day was it? It was in the middle of the night. So yeah. you stay in these cabins. Like a, like a 2 a.m. situation? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You stay in cabins and you can opt outside of your door whether you want to be woken up for the Northern Lights. And it's freezing. Who, who, <laughs> hold on. Who would say, nah, I'd rather sleep? Yeah, right. Seriously. You've like gone all the way across the world to see, see this. Yeah, but it's so hit and miss. I mean, we were woken oh, up really? every night, traipsed up this hill. Ah, freezing cold and tired and not to see it but i did was it was it worth it it was worth it wow. they were a little faint they certainly weren't as pr impressive as the visual we've got right now on the screen um i That's suppose when you're cool. at that altitude on an aircraft there's going to be nothing quite well, like you know it. on uh on on this on this season of the bachelor they did they <laughs> they uh they saw the northern lights they I, did I, yeah they, they did <laughs> <laughs> Everything in my world comes back to the, the bachelor, bachelor at some at some point. Well, Fantastic. that's very cool. So, so you know, uh, I did. Speaking of special arrivals on planes, I did get a special arrival last week after the show. My my puppy Peaches, Aww. she's arrived. <laughs> she has arrived. She's here. She arrived at sixteen and a half pounds, eight and a half weeks. She was delayed. She missed her connection trying to get to L.A. It became this big ordeal. Anyway, she's a complete angel other than some teething, but she's smart, good looking, 
Very good looking. <laughs> yeah, she's very good looking. She's got the three colors. She does. Those beautiful Beautifully eyebrows. Yeah, beautiful. Um, soft, extra soft. You know, all puppies are soft. She's like this extra kind of velvety, you know, you want to make a coat out of her. Off. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. And that's what I tell her when she teases. Like, well, I'll make a, a coat out of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, she's great. But do you know that I took her to the vet and uh, the vet's like, she's going to put on between a half, and a half a pound to a pound a day of weight. That's unbelievable. Oh, it's true. Every morning I pick her up. And I'm like, God. You know, we, we got her. She was 16 and a half pounds. I weighed her yesterday. She was 21 and a half pounds. That's a, that's a mighty big pup. So anyway, she's great. Um, she can't come on the show yet because she hasn't had all her shots. It's not safe. But when she can come on, I'll hold her up like Simba. <laughs> Actually, it'll be more like she'll be huge. Can't that wait. Point. That'll be a couple of weeks. But anyway, yeah, so Peaches had arrived. So that's that. Fantastic. Thank you, Jenny Lee. Thank you. Thank you, Roy G. No problem. Thank you to all of you for watching this week uh, in the Thomas Guide. Catch us next week, Thursday at 1 o'clock. We'll be live. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. This has been the Thomas Guide with John Thomas. We hope you've enjoyed the ride. Join us Thursdays at 1 on Facebook Live. Tweet John at The Thomas Guide. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. Or you can go to KFI. Keyword, The Thomas Guide.